Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. Yesterday, Wikipedia turned 21 years old. For those who don't know, Wikipedia, Wikipedia is an online encyclopedia, and it's produced in a variety of different languages, and it's completely maintained by a community of volunteers. People just have this spirit. They, you know, they volunteer their time to, to just write articles for, for Wikipedia. And, and over the years, people have asked, okay, why do people do this? Why do people volunteer their time to write and edit these articles? And so a study was done. And they gave like top, the top 10 reasons why Wikipedia exists. I'll give you the top four here. A, a study was done to, to take a look at this. And the, the number one answer why these volunteers do what they do is because they simply like the idea of being a volunteer and sharing knowledge. They find value in that. Number two was they believe that information should be free. And Wikipedia is, is free. There's no paywall or anything like that. You can just go to Wikipedia and, and find, find your articles. The third reason is perhaps they recognize that they are an expert in an area and they feel like they can really contribute and, and curate and shape an article well. They, they can add something good to Wikipedia. As I said, it's, it's 21 years old. I, I've been a Wikipedia user for a long time. But I remember back in the day, people would make fun of it because people would get on there and write nonsense. But actually, like as it's matured, as these experts are chiming in, Wikipedia actually is like getting better and, and better. You know, it's it's still not, you know, academic worthy, right? But still, like, it's becoming more and more trustworthy as these experts are are uh, dishing out their, their information. The fourth reason why people do this is simply because it's fun. There's a type of joy, like they want to do this. It's fun. These are intrinsic motivators here. Intrinsic motivators. They are just motivated to do this. They don't get paid for it. They just want to see it happen. They want to see it get better. Intrinsic motivation. And you know what? It actually reminds me of the church. Why do people be and do church? Volunteerism is a big part of the church body. In fact, uh, early church writer, author, his name's Tertullian in the, the first and and second century, he 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 defended Christianity. We call him uh, an apologist. He he defended Christianity. But one of the observations that he made is that these Christians, the church, one one basic principle that he really sees in this church is this idea of being a volunteer. You know, the, the the congregation. These are people who just simply want to be a part of the congregation, the volunteer principle. 
There's no pressure to join the church. There's no obligation in continuing the church. There's no compulsion in making contributions, you know, financially, etc., to the church. There is a volunteer principle that is driving the church. And a long time ago, he, he observed this, and he's, he's recognizing. And in his world, this harsh Greco-Roman world... He, he sees this. Tertullian sees this. You know, because, you know, philanthropy and charity were not popular. You did not see wealthy business owners back in the day making contributions. You know, if there was a mess, if there was an issue, you send in the slaves to fix it. But we have these Christians, these Christians, the, the people of the way. Out of like this volunteer spirit, they're stepping up. They're standing in the gap. They're bringing hope and, and healing. They're, they're taking care of the, the sick. They're gathering to, to worship. Naturally, they, they gather and they, they, they pray. And you know, yeah, they're doing good in society. The volunteer principle. They're, they're motivated to do this. Intrinsically motivated to to doing good, to, to do restorative justice. Again, taking care of the orphans and widows, the needy. And so today, we get to join in with Christians all over, all over the globe. All over the globe. All the, the nations, all the different types of Christians. Yeah, we have, we have some doctrine distinctions and there's... There's differences, different expressions of Christianity. But today, we get to join in with Christians all over the world. And I would like to suggest that, that the true church, all these Christians that are meeting up to worship and pray and serve and give money and energy and support, all this volunteer activity, you guys, like what we're here doing today, all of this doesn't come out of nowhere. But it comes from deeper beliefs. It comes from something deep down inside. We take a look at our heart. There is something inside of us that's motivating us. The church doesn't have to exist, but it does. I say our motivation is connected to the heart of God. So we voluntarily come together. We're here. We're worshiping. We're praying. We're running PowerPoint slides. We're serving coffee. We're, we're here. We, we do good acts. And in, in, in our word bank of all the different words we could use, restoration, transformation, you know, all, all the words that we, we could use, I want to pick the word blessed out of our word bank. And in, in perhaps ways we can't really explain, as we look d- deep down inside our heart, We know that we're blessed. We're blessed so that we can tell the rest. I believe all of you here this morning, you are blessed. Church, there is a blessing upon your life. And that blessing is is that intrinsic motivation. And again, there's other words we could use to articulate this and, and flesh it out. But church, you are blessed. And I want you to know that you can lean into that. It can shape our, our prayer life. We get to make a request for more blessings. 
so that the world can know all about God and know that salvation and freedom and healing and hope is a true thing in this world. Psalm 62, verses 1 and 2, it says, May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face shine on us, so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. These words echo Aaron's priestly blessing in Numbers chapter 6. All right, The, the request is this. God, pour down your blessings on us. We want a downpour of blessings, a downpour of your grace. Just this bucket of unmerited favor. Yeah, God, just go ahead and dump that on us. Drench us. The tender mercy of God. Pour down on us. And then this idea of the face of the Father. May your face shine upon us. I heard a pastor, he he told me once, as he was kind of, uh, referencing this type of language. It's imagine a, a busy city, you're at an intersection, lots of people moving around, cars and noise and, and, and all of that. And then across the intersection, you see your dad or loved one. So, someone who, you know, it's just, you see them, they have the biggest smile on their face. You see your dad and, and dad gives you that dad smile. Maybe a thumbs up or, or finger guns or something like that. But it's, it's enough that the face of the Father is shining on you. And it's like, yes, this is what I need. In that moment, you just know that you're okay. That you got this. That he's got you. And he's cheering you on. May the face of the Father shine upon us. We, we are blessed. We are connected to our God. And then also, like, in the same thought here, it's almost like the psalmist, though, is able to see the big scope of salvation here. It's as if they could step back and see the whole gospel story in one scene. From Genesis 12, when Abraham and Sarah are are called, all the way through the long story of Israel, all the way through the Old Testament, through Jesus, through the New Testament. Through the church age, all the way to the, to the age that is to come, when we see, like in Revelation chapter 7, when all nations and tongues, languages, tribes, clans, families, all people groups, the nations are there worshiping the Lamb. Okay? May your ways be known on earth, your salvation among all the nations. It's as if they could see the whole gospel story. Okay, remember, bless us, Lord, but it's for a really big purpose. It's so that the nations can know God. And I want you to see the, the prayer requests here. The Psalms can really help shape our prayer life. What's the prayer request? God, bless us so that we can make your ways known in every state every country, every, every nation, right? Every pocket of people found on earth, we want them to know all about God. We want them to know the ways of Jesus. We want them to know that salvation is available. To kind of summarize here, uh, I'm going to borrow from an academic. His name is Dr. Doug Webster. He puts it so clear, clearly. The blessing of God and the mission of God are inseparable. 
Hear that. The blessing of God and the mission of God are inseparable. The people of God are blessed for a purpose, to make known the ways of God to the nations for the sake of their salvation. So I want you to know, I I want you to put this in that beautiful brain of yours this morning. I want you to know this, that the scope of the project is big. All nations are invited to join in the praise of God. The Great Commission. We want to make nation we want to make disciples of all nations. Or we could use another term, go out and make more worshipers of God. So now, if you don't mind, I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine now the church all over the world. Online church too. Don't forget PMC Beyond that starts at eleven. There's there's a group of it's like ten units or so. I say units because that's like each computer. Sometimes there's more than one person watching behind the other side. We have a group of our church that meets online at 11. Online churches too. Asian churches, African churches. Imagine the church all over the world. This people group. These people who know Jesus, who are blessed by Jesus, the people of God. They are blessed, and they are motivated, and they are worshiping God today. Church, we we get to worship God today. And I really hope we get to worship with joy. And I hope we get to worship with gladness as well. I know life's hard. I know there's questions. I know we're carrying anxiety and stress and baggage right now in the times that we're living in. Still, we... We get to look down into our heart, our heart that is connected with God's heart. We know we're blessed. When we walk through the valley, we know he's with us. We can look deep down inside and see, you know what, yeah, still, there there is a glimmer of joy and gladness and hope. It is there. And we're here to worship. And so moving on in the, the song here, may the people's Praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. So this psalm gives us two reasons. Two reasons to be glad and have joy as we worship. The first one is God rules with equity. The second is God guides us. God guides the nations. So God rules with equity. What does that mean? The the Hebrew word for rule means to judge, to govern. God is king. God is king, and that means we're not. And all of us here have tried to be the kings and queens of our own life. God is on the throne, but, but, you know, we sometimes, we want to slide up on that throne. It's like if we can get one little butt cheek on that, that throne... God, you're king, but let me kind of, like, let me, like, half rule my life a little bit. Like, no, God is king. God is king, and we are not. We get to join in the choir of nations that are worshiping God all over the globe this morning, this day, every day. And in that, the pressure is off of trying to run the world. We don't have to. God is 
king. God is sovereign. And God rules with equity. What does it mean that God rules with equity? Well, the Hebrew word here is, is like uprightness. Uprightness. What does that mean? He, he can't be crooked. God is upright. God is fair. Psalm 89, 14 says that righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. We get to worship a God who has a heart for right relationships. God is a corrector of wrongdoing. He is a bringer of restoration. We worship a God who wants to make things right. We worship a God who cares for the widows and the orphans, the immigrants, the poor. It's in the, it's in the next psalm, Psalm 68, where that comes from. If you want to look real quickly, God is a God who cares. He rules with this amazing shepherding heart. And as worshipers of this God who, who wants to have restorative justice, making things right. I believe that, that as a church, the more that we can pray and worship, the closer that we get to the heart of the Father, the, the more our hearts are connected with God's heart, the church will be the foremost leaders of tackling issues like, like human rights issues, uh, uh, human trafficking issues, exploitation, uh, clean water, malnutrition crisis. Disaster relief, and so on and so on. As we are drawn to the heart of the Father, and we see that God is a God who wants to make things right. God is a God who wants to bring restoration as we worship this God. Absolutely, send out the Christians. When we're connected to the heart of God, we're there. We want to join in God's mission of bringing restoration. So may the nations be glad and sing for joy. God is not interested in getting even. He's interested in bringing restoration. And as motivated worshipers today, absolutely, we will need guidance to make this happen. Because God chooses to rule. He co-rules through his people. So when the Bible speaks of doing justice, not getting justice, but doing justice... We'll need guidance in that. We need a biblical shape of what justice restoration looks like. And it goes back to a, having a connection to God's heart, an attitude of the heart. I want to tell you a story. Uh, way back in the late 1940s, a guy named Bob Pierce. Bob Pierce, he, he was in China, and he came face to face with an abandoned girl. Kind of like desolate, dirty. I, I don't know if it, if it was that girl in particular. I don't think so. Uh, but that, that is Bob Pierce up there. Uh, but he, he runs into this, this child. And his heart just breaks. His heart breaks. And he's like, I have to help. I need to do something. And he had like five bucks in his, his pocket. It was, you know, five bucks in the late 1940s. I don't know how much that would be today, but it's like, that's what he had. And it's like, what can I do? Can I buy a blanket? Can I buy food? Like, what can I do for this girl? And Bob Pierce, out of this, this motivation to help, 
You know, he, he's a Christian, he knows his Bible, and, and he's motivated to help. Out of this motivation, he realized, you know what? The American church, all of us, you know, we all carry, maybe not today, but, you know, five bucks in our pocket. You know, what, what if the church could just pitch out a few dollars and, like, we could really find ways to stretch these dollars and help these little children get clean water and food and school and shoes. What if we could do that? Out of this heart, out of this motivation, Bob Pierce, he started this organization called World Vision. And World Vision has grown over the years. It's still running today. Is it a perfect organization? No, I'm sure you could find something somewhere where they didn't do something right. But World Vision, I like I like World Vision. They're still just crushing it today. And and to kind of bring it to something relevant to uh, to to today. Today, did you know that Ethiopia is in a civil war? It's been in a civil war since November of 2020. 7 million people in Ethiopia are displaced and, and, and are facing acute food insecurity right now in Ethiopia. And when this civil war broke out way back in November of 2020, World Vision was one of the first non-governmental organizations to respond, to bring food, to bring aid. World Vision is shaped and inspired by this idea of what, what biblical justice looks like. It looks like restoration. It looks like bringing the upright heart of God right into the pain. World vision, they bring help and restoration. They are shaped by God's heart. How is God shaping your heart? For his mission. Again, in Ethiopia, 2.4 million vulnerable children separated from their homes, starving, dying, in need. What can we do? How is God shaping you for his mission? How do you want to respond? This is just an example here. Psalm 67 continues. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. Healthy land, back in this ancient time, that's a sign. You know, that's an ancient way to talk about the blessing of God. And then the psalmist ends like this. One more time, asking for blessings so that the whole earth will have a reverence of God. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. The church is a people of God, called by God for his mission. We are all called. That calling is a blessing. And remember, the blessing of God and the mission of God are inseparable. God's blessings are on the move. God's blessing is on mission. 
And that deep blessing of grace, that deep blessing of mission, that, that's way down in our hearts. And it motivates us. It moves us. And to borrow from Dr. Doug again, he says, God's blessing is on a mission, invoking the knowledge of God's ways, leading to heartfelt confession, resounding praise, and fear of God reverence. This is how we pray for the world. You are all volunteers here. At some point in your life, you, you met Jesus. He has blessed you. He has called you. He has moved you to be here today. You're here for a reason. And I think what we do on a Sunday morning is a great, is a great start, but, but a bad place to stop. Because there's, it's, it's, it's ongoing, Monday through Saturday as well. We don't want to forget the rest of the week. What is God calling you to do this year, this week, later this day? What is God calling you to do? To be a great commission worshiper. So I want to encourage you, as, as Dr. Doug says here, this is how we pray for the world. Let Psalm 67 shape your prayer life. I encourage you to pray, to worship in your devotional life, to turn to the face of the Father. Have that connection time with God. Lean into that, that calling. Lean into that mission. Lean into that blessing of God. Turn to that shining face of God. He's there. He's encouraging you. He's equipping you. And let that love, let that grace, let that blessing motivate you. May God bless us still so that the ends of the earth, so that the ends of our neighborhood can know all about him and will fear him. That's the end of our message today, but I will end with a commercial. February 6th, I want all of you to be here at 6.30 p.m. February 6th. There's no football on. It's the Sunday before the Super Bowl. No football that weekend. 6.30 p.m. We're going to meet in the gathering place. We have Reverend Ted Rathman. He is our global ministries associate. So essentially the guy who oversees our denomination's missional engagement. He's going to be here to help spur us on of how we can be great commission worshipers. February 6th at 6.30 p.m. Be here. Because I think PMC is on the move. God is giving us some great goals this year of how we can be a church that is alive, not only in our area right here, but also what we can do around the world. Let's pray.